Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. My name is Ian. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Ian. I want to thank uh, Rob for the seltzer. Uh, it really means a lot to me. I uh, I really like seltzer. It's it's kind of one of those things, though. When you when you speak and you drink seltzer, you get that like seltzer burp. And it's kind of like hard to project sometimes. Um, <laughs> some are sicker than others. Uh, so we're doing the traditions here, and for those of you who weren't here last week. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the history of the traditions and this idea of, uh, Bill saw a whole bunch of mistakes. I don't know if necessarily mistakes, but, uh, schisms that started to break other groups similar to Alcoholics Anonymous apart, and he was looking at their history. And, uh, and what happened was, like, you know, some things were drawn to his attention, and, and he started to put these traditions together. And it wasn't widely adopted by the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, everyone wasn't, like, thrilled to have a set of rules or a set of guidelines to go by. Um, but, you know, through the years, they eventually were adopted by the Fellowship uh, right around 1950 uh, at the, one of the um, AA conventions there, uh, one of the world conventions. And uh, we, we looked at the first two traditions last week, and the first tradition is about our common welfare and basically this idea of um, anything I really do to separate myself from you uh, starts to put me at a schism with the first tradition. And the first tradition says our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon a unity. And uh, the best example I can give you quickly is uh, when I was, you know, a year and a half, two years sober, uh, and I would sit down with the guys I sponsored, and we would all introduce ourselves as recovered alcoholics and then share and say, you know, my name's Ian, I'm a recovered alcoholic. What happened is everyone in the fellowship, their ears snapped shut. You know, so for me it was really important to, like, get rid of all the grateful alcoholic, get rid of the alcoholic addict, get rid of the recovering alcoholic, get rid of the recovered alcoholic stuff, and just become Ian, an alcoholic, uh, just like all of you. Uh, because that's the one thing, whether I'm recovering or recovered or grateful or fucking silly or whatever, oh, excuse my language, uh, whatever else it may be, it, it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, just to really be a small part of the great whole is the idea of that first tradition. The, the second tradition is the group conscience. And it talks about an A comes of age, it says, uh, harder still to accept and now proven the fact that the group conscience or that the conscience of the group, when properly informed of the facts and issues and principles involved, was often wiser than any leader or self, self-appointed or not. Uh, the second tradition says, uh, what's the second tradition say? For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are trusted servants, they don't govern. And the idea is we come together as a group uh, properly informed about the facts, issues, and principles uh, to make decisions for the common welfare. Uh, when we have one person kind of leading and running the show, it seems to uh, uh, fall apart. The Washingtonians were a group that um, got really uh, wrapped up around charismatic speakers. And what happened was 
everyone started to rely on these charismatic speakers. Uh, you know, and there's there's people in Alcoholics Anonymous who are circuit speakers and speak all over the country, and, and people get really enwrapped by them. Uh, but then as soon as they do something that is in, in line with what they're saying, everyone starts to point the finger and everything falls apart. And I was kind of talking to a friend uh, right before this about... Um, you know, this anniversary party and, and some stuff where like, you know, people have, you know, put people on a pedestal and, and uh, it happens. Uh, it's not necessarily the best of ideas. Uh, and what happens is then the group conscience is not informed. Uh, and when my conscience tries to control everything, like I could be delusional. Uh, and the problem is if everyone thinks that I have something important to say, uh, you may listen to my delusion and then we're all going to be in a state of delusion. So that's kind of the idea with the first two traditions. I don't know how many traditions we're going to talk about tonight. I was thinking uh, three, four, five, six, and seven. And uh, we're reading the long form. I don't know if you guys got your 12 and 12s. If you got uh, big books, the long forms in the back of the big book somewhere in the appendix. What is it? 563. Uh, you know, the third tradition... It says our membership, the long form, says our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism. Hence, we may refuse none to wish to recover. Nor ought a membership ever depend upon money or conformity. Any two or three alcoholics gathered together for sobriety may call themselves in a group, provided that they have, uh, as a group, they have no other affiliation. So, all who suffer from alcoholism. You know, we're not in a, uh, someone says, uh, I don't say I'm an alcoholic and I'm an addict because it's like saying I'm an idiot and I'm stupid <laughs> in the same sentence. You know, and we really need to look at like, what is, what is alcoholism? I think, and the best way I can describe this is, uh, you know, uh, our group, Burlington Young People, we read the blue card. And when we share, we ask that all who participate can find their discussion to the problems with alcohol. And we're going to talk about it a little later, but this idea of um, doing one thing right versus many things half-assed uh, comes in play in this tradition. It used to say uh, that you had to have an honest desire to stop, uh, but they thought that was too harsh, so they got rid of that, and now you just have to have a desire to stop. And the way I kind of explain this is like, what does that mean, a desire to stop? Because every once in a while you hear somebody say, my name's so-and-so, I'm an addict, and I have a desire to stop drinking. Uh, or I'm so-and-so and I have a desire to stop drinking or whatever it may be. But like, what, what is this like desire about? And for me, and mind you, like, this is not as Ian sees it. Uh, this is like my opinion. Look for the information on your own. Have your own opinion. Uh, look for the spirit of the message. And for me, it's important to look at the idea of, like, say I drink, no, say I eat sand. All right, like I, I have this chronic problem where I eat a lot of sand, and uh, like it really it can get out of control sometimes. You know, like uh, I go down to the beach, like I'm down in North Beach, right, and I just like take little kids' toys and start shoveling sand in my mouth, and you know everyone looks at me like I'm crazy, and it's the problem is it's like really embarrassing, uh, and it causes me a lot of guilt, and it causes me a lot of shame, and it <laughs> even worse uh, as I eat the sand, like it starts to hurt my stomach. And it dries my mouth, and it dries my throat, and it really uh, causes some significant problems. And 
But I did find a little bit of hope uh, through this program called SA, Sand Eaters Anonymous. <laughs> and Sand Eaters, Eaters Anonymous, they have a program of uh, 12 steps where I can recover from eating sand. Um, now, a lot of you are laughing, and, and I'm assuming probably because you don't eat sand. But the third tradition in, in SA is the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating sand. You know, so my, my question is how many of you uh, would meet that requirement for membership. So how many of you, uh, I would ask, have a desire to stop eating sand? You know, and probably all, some of you are thinking, well, yeah, I probably do that. But then my next question is, so you're, you're eating sand too? Uh, because, like, for me, like, I can only have a desire to stop doing something if I do it. You know, this idea of, like, uh, I have a desire to stop drinking, but I don't drink alcohol. Like, I can't have a desire to stop drinking if I don't do it in the first place. Um, but, assuming I drink alcohol, I'm welcome in Alcoholics Anonymous. And it doesn't matter if I'm a drug addict. It doesn't matter if I eat sand. It doesn't matter if I pick my nose and eat my boogers. Uh, it doesn't matter, like, if I've robbed banks. It doesn't matter uh, whatever else I may have done. Uh, as long as I drink and I want to stop. And the reason I bring this up is, you know, I worked in treatment for a while, and there's a difference between, uh, in my belief, there's a difference between being a drug addict and an alcoholic. And it doesn't mean that drug addicts are not powerless over alcohol, because I know a lot of those people uh, who, as soon as they have one or two drinks, they go right to the dope and start getting high. And it's a very big difference than being alcoholic. The alcoholism is, a, is that three-part illness that we talk about, the physical craving, mental obsession, and the spiritual malady. My sponsor's belief is that uh, when we talk about alcohol, we're really talking about the spiritual malady. Uh, so when we say all who suffer from alcoholism, we're talking about anyone who suffers uh, from the spiritual malady, that emptiness inside that's killing us, that, that third part or one of those pieces of that first step. And the only thing I rebuttal on that is like when we get sober, well, I don't know about you guys, but when I got sober, I didn't walk into AA and say, man, I'm so empty on the inside. You know, like I wasn't, I didn't have a clue that my problem was this emptiness inside of me. I had a clue that the drinking was a problem. And I had a clue that the drugs were a problem too. Uh, and then I showed up in AA and I hung around for a little while and I realized that uh, that other stuff was really uh, making me feel better and it was the emptiness was my real problem, you know. And I think it's, for me, it's really important about getting the people in and helping them to see the truth. Then talking about these other pieces of the illness. It's my opinion. Uh, in the third tradition in the 12 and 12, it says you're an AA member if you say so. You can declare yourself in. Nobody can keep you out. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've gone, no matter how grave your emotional complications, see, even Andrew can be here, we still can't deny, uh, can't deny you an AA. We don't want to keep you out. And, and the idea is like, we don't want to keep people out. Um, we want to be inclusive, but at the same time, we are slightly exclusive. Uh, with the idea of, like, we need to have a drinking problem to be here. It doesn't mean that people can't come for strength and guidance and inspiration. It doesn't mean that these principles aren't our God-given right and that everyone uh, should be allowed uh, to practice these principles and to be shown these principles. 
Um, and I've shown these principles to people who are not alcoholics, uh, as I know other people I sponsor do, and I think that's important, and I encourage those people uh, like to come to our home group Sunday and Tuesday to hear about this stuff and to hear about the great gifts that can happen in sobriety. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we would ask them to share, I would ask them to share from the podium. Uh, I know there was some controversy with a meeting a couple weeks ago where they had someone speak at the podium and one of the first things out of her mouth, she says, I don't, I don't drink or do drugs. Never have. I come because I have emotional problems. And then, you know, what, as the story went, so I was told I wasn't there, uh, her therapist recommended her to go to AA. No one said, do you really need to be here? Everyone said, welcome, keep coming back. No one questioned anything. Uh, she stuck around for a little while uh, and now believes um, she's allowed, you know, to share. And, and the dangerous part is, is like, if I got sober, and I don't know because I'm sober, I'm assuming, right, my assumption, we know what that means, but I'm assuming that if I got sober and someone was talking and saying, like, I don't even have a problem drinking. In fact, at BYP, God, when we were at the old place, we must have been, the meeting must have been like six months old. Uh this this younger girl raised her hand at the end of the meeting and said, I don't understand what you guys are... We were talking about like the mental obsession. And she says, I don't understand what you guys are talking about. I, I don't know why you just don't stop. I'm, you know, 18 or 19 years old. I never even had a drink. I don't understand why you guys just, just don't stop doing it. Okay, great. But if we have her at the podium and start to share her experience, um, that could be kind of dangerous for the new person. Uh, and I'm not so concerned with the person who's been around for a little while and who can identify. I'm more concerned with the guy uh, who's brand new. Um, Bill Wilson once said that the alcoholic and the drug addict are like cousins. Uh, and the way I can explain that is if my cousin was here, uh, you would think we were brothers. You wouldn't know the difference. Uh, you would think we had the same mother. We look very, very similar. Uh, he's 18 months older than me. But when we get away the details, we're not the same person. Uh, we are different. This tradition uh, goes on to talk about that we believe that any two or three alcoholics gathered gathered together for sobriety may call themselves in a, a group, provided that as a group we have no other affiliation. Uh, here our purpose is, is clear. And when we, and we'll get into this later, it crosses into the sixth tradition, but when we start to affiliate ourselves with like other things uh, and start to concern ourselves with all sorts of other business, we start to forget why we're here. You know, and I guarantee you all have experience with that of going to some, some meetings, you know, and someone coming in and saying, uh, the chairperson starts off with, does anyone have a problem staying away from a drink or living sober? And the hands go right up and someone will say, I don't want to drink, but my boss... Blah, 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 blah. And then we start talking about the person's boss. And then halfway through the meeting, that person gets up and leaves, doesn't come back, but the rest of the meeting we're talking about this person's boss. Next time that happens, I would encourage you to pay very close attention to who else is in that room because I've been in rooms where there are people uh, who are shaken in the back who want to know how to not drink, yet all we're talking about is people's bosses in crummy days. You know, of course, no one cares about that person enough to chase him. And I'm not saying that, like, if you have a problem, 
that is really going to cause you to drink that you shouldn't share about that. I think you should really get a sponsor uh, and talk to your sponsor about that. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but the idea is that um, you know we need to be clear of why we're here and what we're doing. Uh, all right. So tradition four. Tradition four. It says, with respect to its own affairs, each A group should be responsible to no other authority than its own conscience. So back to tradition two. But when it plans, when its plans concern the welfare of neighboring groups, also those groups ought to be consulted. And no group, regional committee, or individual should ever take any action that might greatly affect AA as a whole without conferring with the trustees of the Alcoholic Foundation. On such issues, our common welfare is paramount. This, this tradition really basically gives us the right to do anything we want. So like in tradition three, we start talking about, we start to kind of like make this thing exclusive. And then in tradition four, we basically say, you can do whatever you want. Um, it says, with respect to its own affairs, the group may make any decision or adopt any attitude which it likes. We have the right to be wrong. Uh, we should be responsible to no other authority than our own conscience. Um, So, I had a, I had a, I had a real uh, difficulty at one point with groups uh, that weren't interested in talking about the solution. Um, and what I believe to be the solution is the 12 steps. Uh, and I had a real issue with groups that weren't talking about that stuff. Why? Because I get tired of seeing people relapse over and over. Uh, I get tired of people believing that if they go to enough meetings... Um, and call their sponsor enough that they won't drink. In my experience, uh, that's just not true. But what this tradition gives us is the right to be wrong. And this tradition gives, uh, on a personal level, level, it gives each of us the right to do whatever we want in AA, assuming we're not going to be harming other people. Now who's going around and deterring or determining whether we're harming other people or not? No one. Uh, it's really about... Uh, my own personal uh, willingness to uh, pay consequences um, or not, you know, and if I'm willing to pay the consequences, I can really do whatever I feel like. Kind of the same thing with the group. The group can talk about and do whatever it wishes. You know, if our group wanted to start paying speakers to come up and travel or giving them little gifts and trinkets, uh, we can do that. If our group decided that uh, we don't want to read out of the big book anymore. We are going to start using the women's way through the 12 steps printed by Hazleton. We have the right to do that. Um, the funny thing is, is the women's way through the 12 steps uh, doesn't resemble the same principles. Well, slightly resembles the same principles uh, that we're, we're reading here. Like we read, it talked about um, taking actions against other groups. Um, and I'll probably get hell at some point for saying this, but uh, and this is what I've been told. I don't know how true this is. I'm pretty certain that it's pretty true. But there was a group, uh, we'll say down south somewhere, uh, that had an AA dance, and uh, 
and you know they had their flyers for the AA dance, and everyone went. And uh, at the AA dance, one of the girls who was attended was raped by numerous men. What happened was uh, this became front page of the newspaper, and it says the so and so group. We'll call it. Um, I don't know. We'll call it the Jamboree Group. The Jamboree Group uh, rapes girl at AA dance. Now, this is where we injure AA as a whole. My mother knows no difference between the Jamboree Group and Burlington Young People. Uh, she would not have a I mean, she, yeah, she would not have a clue. Um, and those types of actions are completely inappropriate. And what AA's actual stance on that was we have no opinion. No comment, no opinion. Why? Because the group can do what it wants. Uh, I've also heard of other groups where um, the sponsor uh, has the newcomer do his laundry. Um, I know of groups where the sponsor, um, the sponsor who sponsors women, sleeps with those women. Um, there's groups I've heard of where they take the guys the young new guys in sobriety in the back room and have women pleasure them because it helps them to relax so they can sit through the meeting. (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, I know some of you are like, we should adopt those principles. Um, But but the fact is, is like those groups have the right to do that. You know, as disgusting as that may be and has so far away from what we're trying to do, um, they have the right to do that. You know, just like our group has the right... Um, to talk about God dependence through service to others. Our, our group has the right to, um, you know, read out of the big book and have CDs in the back, uh, that are not part of Alcoholics Anonymous. We give out those little trinkets, uh, that are not part of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and we have the right to do that. Um, do I agree with all those things? No. But did the group conscience speak and want to do those things? Yes. Uh, and that's and that's the idea. Like the only people we are uh, responsible to is our own group. On the spiritual world, though, when we start to do things uh, that are really against what Alcoholics Anonymous is, uh, the group starts to suffer. Um, in tradition six. Tradition 6 really encompasses a lot of things, and it talks about affiliation. And there's a couple meetings in Burlington. Um, and first I want to say, because of Tradition 4, these groups have the right to do this. But one of them meets at a treatment center, and the meeting's name is titled after the treatment center. Uh, so if you're new, like, do you really know the difference between going to the AA meeting or going to the treatment center. When you go into that meeting, it doesn't really resemble uh, what this group is trying to do. It resembles something very different. They throw candy at each other during the speaker. Um, They cross-talk. It's okay to just, like, start commenting back and forth. and um, You know, but they have the right to do those things, and they're allowed to do those things. Do I personally agree with it? No, I've got a ton of opinions. Uh, Does that mean my opinions are the end-all of Alcoholics Anonymous? No, not even close. There's another group, um, you know, at our sober club uh, that is named basically after that sober club. It was the first meeting when the sober club opened up. It was the first meeting that went in there. Um, they took that name. They have the right to do that. You know, and I remember when that club started, there was all sorts of different announcements, like come support the so-and-so club for 
X, Y, and Z, we're having a dance, we're having a fundraiser, and then it became this big like controversy. Well, that's non-AA. That's non-AA. Um, really, that group has the right to do those things. You know, like our group, uh, a lot of people support the actual recovery that we have. Um, the district doesn't support it. That's fine. The district will support yard sales, and the district will support uh, sober cruises that don't have anything to do with the 12 steps, um, but they don't support the actual recovery. And the district, district, as being a group, they're allowed to do those things. Do I agree with it? No. I think it's the most delusional thing they could do, uh, but they're allowed to take those, those stances. Um, You know, each group, like, really can do what it wants in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and as scary as that may be, um, you know, we're doing stuff here at our group that I know people are not happy with and not thrilled with. Um, I know that people uh, believe that uh, our group talks about God too much. I know that people believe that um, the big book really should be tossed aside and we should be using other literature. That's fine. Um my experience tells me that we're doing something right, and this gets into the 11th tradition about attraction rather than promotion. And if what, what we're doing is attractive, the group is going to grow and grow and grow. Um, there's a meeting uh, down south, another meeting, uh, that does some weird things, and what I've heard recently is that the group is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because what they're doing isn't very attractive. Uh, what they're doing is... You know, this other stuff, like I mentioned before. Uh, I heard of a group up in, uh, we'll say up north somewhere, um, who've recently decided that uh, because of their 11th step, what they've decided to do is start drinking opium tea. Uh, I mean, I think that's fantastic. I don't... <laughs> I know it'd probably be a bad idea if I did that. But... Like, this is the idea. There's a lot of craziness in Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and I partook in a lot of that craziness uh, for a while. I bet if we were offering opium tea as our 11th step, we'd have a lot more people here. Uh, we're going to start with a little meditation. Everyone drink this. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, I, I partook in some things like, you know, running around calling myself a recovered alcoholic, and I paid those consequences. You know, because I tried to force uh, my beliefs on Alcoholics Anonymous on the people, and I tried to uh, push a certain way of doing things and it wasn't attractive. And I suffered the consequences. And instead of in a meeting sharing my experience and thing, saying things like me and my, I would say things like you and you and you and need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and it's just not, it's not really attractive at all. Uh, so, moving right along. Tradition five. And I was once uh, told that one of the people who took me through the traditions said that they believe that this should be the first tradition. And I, you know, part of me really agrees with that. First or second, I think, if I could rearrange the order. And it says, yeah, as he and Caesar, right? Uh, each Alcoholics Anonymous group ought to be a spiritual entity having one primary purpose, that of carrying its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Now, uh... The key word, my belief, is its, I-T-S, its message. And this goes back into the fourth tradition. Each group can do what it wants. Each group can have whatever message it wants. 
there's a lot of meetings that the message is share about your problem. We'll talk about that problem. Then go to a meeting later on tonight. Share about it again. Uh, our message is about God dependence through service to others, using the big book for guidance and inspiration. Um, I know the group, The Firing Line, they have a message very, very similar to that, uh, about something like hope is available through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, they talked about what their message is, they voted on what their message is, like our group did. You would think, well, about a year and a half ago, I called the general service office and I said to them, uh, part of me was being serious, part of me was being a uh, sarcastic asshole, and I said, what's the message of AA? And the guy said, excuse me? And I said, what is the message of AA? And he said, well, it's the 12 steps. I said, that's what I believe, but where does it say that in AA literature? He says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, there's numerous places where it says carry this message. Uh, like in our, in the 12 and 12, or in the 12 step, it says having had a spiritual awakening, blah, 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 carry this message. Um, on page 100 and, was it 100? No, 89 in chapter 7, it says something about carry this message, um, which is alluding to like having this great experience. Uh, in the fifth tradition, it says carry its message. Um, nowhere does it say that the message of Alcoholics Anonymous is blank. You know, the 12 steps, or service to others, or God dependence. In the second edition of the big book, and the third edition of the big book, on the dust jacket, in all of my big books, I end up getting one and taping it on there, but it says, pages 1 through 164 is the AA message. Uh... It's the only place in AA literature that it says that. Now they've taken out saying that 1 through 164 is the AA message, and they've replaced it with modem to modem is equal than one-on-one sharing with an alcoholic. I don't believe that to be true. Uh, these are just my beliefs. But some people believe like there are groups set up on the computer, and their message is based on I am. You know, I aming and chatting and that stuff. Facebooking and whatnot. Uh, and that's that group's message, is that like you can do that and you can recover from alcoholism that way. I don't know if that's true. It's not been my experience. I'm sure that people do get sober that way and stay sober that way. Uh, clearly there's a need for it. Um, but we really have to look at like what the message is. And I think on a personal level, like I have to be clear, like what is my message? You know, am I an Alcoholics Anonymous to make a bunch of friends? Uh, or am I here to help people get sober? Um, and it doesn't mean I run around like I have and become this asshole and militant and try to tell people what to do, uh, but it's really important that I share my experiences with love and, and I don't back down. Um, and there's been numerous people who uh, have said to me things like, you know, I would like your help and I've been watching you for X amount of uh, months or years and you stay consistent and you don't, uh, you say the same thing over and over and over again. Um, because I'm not, you know, and I always say it, like I'm not here in AA to make friends. You know, I didn't, I didn't knock on the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous and say, I'm dying, I need some friends. Uh, I was basically like, I'm dying, I need to not drink today. 
I need a new solution. I need to not feel like I'm empty inside and I want to put a bullet in my head. Um, and being consistent, like a fellowship has grown up, you know, in this group with Andrew and a bunch of other people, like this group has just gotten bigger from be, from people being consistent and saying the same things over and over again and carrying a message of God dependence through service to others using the big book as guidance and, and inspiration. Um, and the meeting gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, in the, those PDF pamphlets that I had last week, um, and in the 12 and 12, the first line in the 12 and 12, it says, uh, the shoemaker, uh, this was Sam Shoemaker, one of Bill's friends, um, he said, better do one thing supreme, supremely well than many badly. Uh, that is the central theme of this tradition. And, and when you think of, like, doctors, you know, like, there's general practitioners, you know, who kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But then when there's, like, a big problem, they, like, call in the specialist, and or they send you to the specialist. And I've listened to a lot of different fist steps, and this goes back to the drug addict thing, and I've listened to a lot of different fist steps, and I can guarantee you that cocaine addicts will do things that alcoholics will never remember doing. Um, you know, and I call it, uh, instead of a blackout, it's like a whiteout. You know, and people are doing these uh, these things that they would never do uh, in their right mind. And they remember they're doing it, and the whole time they're doing it, they're like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? But they can't seem to stop doing it. You know, we're black, or we're uh, alcoholics will do things on the complete end of the spectrum, basically like pass out and fall in a bush. Uh, so there's, there's like some differences, you know, and, and, uh, you know, like with opiates, like I never liked opiates. I think they're gross. They make me itch and throw up. Uh, not interested. Uh, I like to sell them. <laughs> so I, it was like the only thing I could sell easily, uh, and not lose all my money. Um, you know, but like when I, uh, help somebody, uh, I really, uh, encourage them to talk about their drinking. Um, because that's one thing that we have together. That's one thing that we have that's equal. Uh, and then we talk about that spirituality and that's another thing that we have equally. You know, and we try to keep it on the same page. Uh, because clearly, like, for me, clearly the drugs are out of control. Clearly they're a problem. They're illegal. You know, the things I gotta do for drugs I never have to do to get booze. Um, never have to do to get booze. So for me, it's really important uh, to be focused on like what is my primary purpose and how am I going to uh, carry this message um, based on my primary purpose, you know. And uh, and I really think more than this whole big book God dependence thing, uh, I think my message that I like to carry is that hope is absolutely available in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and that you don't have to be sick and suffering in sobriety. You know, because it's that sobriety piece, uh, that spiritual malady, which is why we relapse. You know, and if, if drugs and alcohol were really the problem, we would stop doing it. You know, but the problem is we stay sober for a period of time. And the longer we stay sober, the harder life is to deal with. And we think, if I could just get a little relief, if I could just have one, you know, just one and get away with it, no one will know. You know, and then I have that one, and then that starts me on another freaking bender, and I'm off and running. Um, 
It says our society has concluded that it has but one high mission to carry the message to those who don't know there's a way out. You know, so, and then on, on, this is like another level of this thing for me is like, if all I'm doing is going to these like solution based meetings, uh, and listening to people talk about the things that I'm doing, am I really carrying the message? You know, am I really being of maximum service? You know, like up here it's, what do we got? Design for a living, Burlington young people in the firing line. So if those are the only meetings I go to, and I talk to a bunch of other people who are doing the same frickin' thing that I'm doing, uh, am I carrying the message to those who don't know there's a way out? No, I'm not. So it's really important that I go to these other meetings, uh, <laughs> that aren't, that aren't so, um, that aren't necessarily doing what I'm doing. You know, because there has been a lot of people that I've had the uh, opportunity to be able to take through the steps, um, because I go and I sit through these other meetings and then I hear it all the time. You know, people call me and they're not doing this right and they're not doing that right. But whoa, 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 go back to the fourth tradition. They have the right to do whatever they want. Go back to the first tradition. You know, our common welfare comes first. You know, my recovery depends on the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and if I'm not willing to go to, uh, the circuit speaker talks about them being sorted places. I don't, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but go to other meetings, the nooners, the morning meetings, um, if I'm not willing to go there and share my experience, like I may never be able to help a lot of people who don't necessarily know that there's a way out. Um, usually, not counting our Sunday meeting, but usually when people walk into BYP or Design for a Living, uh, they know there's a solution. Um, they know that it's that it's uh, that it's there, and that's why they're coming. You know. Um, so I would encourage people to go uh, out to these other places. Uh, you know, my sponsor talks about the the principle of the seventh or the Sabbath. Not that like on Sundays I need to not do anything, um, but like the principle of the Sabbath was designed for one day to fill up, you know, and then for six days to be out giving and giving and giving, you know. And in my the way I do things is that Tuesday uh, is like my Sabbath. You know, I come. To the Tuesday meeting for me, I listen to the speaker, uh, they share a great message, and that fills me up. And then the rest of the meetings that I go to, I'm trying to give uh, and trying to offer a solution to people. You know, coming early Sundays, and instead of sitting in the back, uh, in my chair back there, um, and talking to my buddies, which I do at times, you've all seen me do it, I try to be standing up and talking to people, talking to new guys, talking to people that I haven't seen here before, or going over and sitting down next to a new guy that I haven't seen before, uh, and let them, you know, welcome them, introduce myself, talk to them a little bit, and make them feel welcome, you know, and and we get caught in this idea of like, well, I'm not going to be able to help anyone. You know, what do I have to offer? I've only been sober a week, or I've only been sober a few months, or what am I going to do? Um, but I guarantee that if you just go say hi to somebody and ask them if they like the Red Sox, they live up here, they probably do, it's an easy way in, uh, ask them if they want a cup of coffee, ask them if they're new, ask them if they've ever been here before, um, I just make them feel welcome. You know, because I remember what it was like when I walked into my first meeting and I remember carrying my skateboard. It was March 7th and I was walking up this hill to UVM and it was cold and it was wet and I was scared, and the guy who was going to pick me up, 
didn't because he went to meet a couple girls instead. Uh, and I walked up that hill and I was ex- like, I was terrified. And then I got into this huge building at UVM campus and I like didn't know where I was going and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, it was like my insides were just coming out of me. Um, and I still get nervous when I go to meetings that I've never been to in other states. You know, because I don't know who's there. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, what am I going to say that's going to piss somebody off? You know what I mean? Like, what? oh my God, here we go again. You know, and it's like, you know, but like if someone, if someone comes down and sits next to me and just says, hey, what's going, what's, you know, what's going on? Are you new? Um, and I've learned more often than not now to go up to somebody and sit next to that person and say, hey, what's going on? My name's Ian. Have you come here a lot? You know, and whether they've been sober 20 years and they go there every day or if they're brand new, I uh, just try to put myself out there and shake some hands and be available and say hi to somebody. Uh, it's really one of the best messages that we can have to offer. You know, because people see when the lights are on. You know, when Ebby came to see Bill, and they didn't even have any words, Bill says uh, there was something different about his eyes. He was inexplicably... You know, it's two different sentences. Uh, whatever, there was something different about his eyes. Bright-eyed, starry, you know... The whole deal, and whenever I sit with people and we get to that part in the book, I say, have you ever noticed something different about Burlington young people? And every single one of them says, yeah. I said, there's like some sort of weird energy there. They're like, yeah. You know, it's like the the, the room is alive, and it's like electric. And uh, it's extremely intimidating to some people. You know, because they, they're used to like going to the nooner where no one talks to anyone and everyone looks at the floor until the meeting starts. You know, that's really comfortable for people. And then you walk into here and everyone's like, bah, 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 bah. you know, like what's going on? And, and, um, and it can really throw people off, you know, and that's why it's so important to just go make ourselves available and let people know that, um, we're not a glum lot, you know, that we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, uh, and that we're happy to be here and we're happy to help. And then this other line, it says, because it has now become plain enough that only a recovered alcoholic can do much for a sick alcoholic. A tremendous responsibility has descended upon us all. Like a, a tremendous responsibility has descended upon us all once we recover from alcoholism to be out sharing this message with others. You know, so when I'm sitting in the corner talking to my buddy uh, who's been through the steps with the same freaking guy, you know, does it? am I really like carrying that message? Uh... An obligation so great that it amounts uh, to a sacred trust for for to our kind, those who suffer from alcoholism, recovery is a matter of life and death. So the Society of Alcoholics Anonymous cannot or dare not ever be diverted from its primary purpose. You know, and the reason I say the things I say consistently over and over is because I'm crystal clear that this is life and death for people. You know, and the fact that I worked in treatment for three years and 80% of the people that I talked to in there would rather drink again before asking someone for help tells me that if I'm sitting talking to my buddy before the meeting, I'm not clear on my primary purpose. I forgot why I'm even here at these meetings. You know, and if I'm still talking to my buddy and we're talking about our day and how much our life sucks with our problems, like, like my job and whatever, my nice apartment is dirty, um... You know, I've completely missed the whole music. And I've completely forgotten why I'm here. You know, and then I forget the fact that for me, uh, this is absolutely life or death. You know, and I'd be willing to wage the fact that it is for the rest of you. 
you know, especially the ones who are hotter off a relapse than the others. Uh, a little closer to that memory about how bad things suck out there. You know, but the problem with alcoholism is that the farther I get away from that drink, the more I start to think that, eh, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. Eh, come to the meeting, kick back Sunday night, relax, put my feet up, talk to my buddies. Hey, how you doing, Woody? It's been, hey, how was your weekend? Good to see you. You know? Um, and I start to forget that there's people who are coming to this meeting and they're absolutely going to drink when they leave. And worse that, when they go home tonight, they're going to lay in bed and they're going to wish that they were dead. And they're going to wish that they didn't do all those things that they did last week and the month before. And they're going to wish to die. You know, so what do I do? Do I want to sit and talk to my buddies? Or do I want to do this like sacred trust thing that it just talks about? Um, you know, and when we think about it, like the sacredness of that. You know, and uh, one of our speakers a couple weeks ago said that uh, I can't hurt anyone if I'm just trying to be helpful. If I'm just trying to share the things that were shared with me, it's not possible to hurt anyone. Um, and that's been my experience. It's not possible to hurt anyone if I'm just trying to share the things that have been shared with me. You know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? The guy's going to go home and say, man, there's that one guy who's willing to help me, but eh, I'm all set. And that's my job, is to let people know that I'm available. Um, this delusional, uh, bold idea uh, that I have to wait for someone to come talk to me is absolutely ludicrous. You know, I think out of all the guys that I've taken through the steps, and women for that matter, uh, I think maybe um, ten of them actually ask me for help. Usually I offer to help them before they even have a chance. Um, because I want to be that one person that if, if they decide that this isn't their time to work the steps or this isn't their time to be an Alcoholics Anonymous, that when they're out drinking and when they're out doing the things that they're doing, that they know that there's one person who is willing to help them. Um, because a lot of people that I've met in these rooms uh, have not had anyone offer a solution. And they come in and out and in and out and in and out, and in and out, and their belief is that if they go to enough meetings, that emptiness inside of them is going to go away. And eventually they're going to get the miracle. Um, or they'll get sober by osmosis. Any of you ever stop drinking by osmosis? Uh, yeah, go tell the guy who's got a needle in his arm, you know, in, in the alley. Ask him if he's ever gotten sober by osmosis. Or the guy who can't stop visiting the, the whore, uh, doing the things that they're doing. You know, we don't get sober by osmosis. We don't just wait for the miracle to happen. Um, and what needs to happen is, like, my 12-step uh, needs to help someone on a first step, you know. Or my first step started with somebody else's 12-step. You know, and if no one else is willing to do that 12-step, then there's a lot of people in this room who are never going to have a first step. Um I think I beat that one to death. Uh, tradition six. The long form of tra- tradition six, uh, it says problems of money, property, and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. So our spiritual aim, like we just talked about, is trying to pull people out from the depths of hell. We think, therefore, 
that any considerable property of genuine use to AA should be separately incorporated and managed, thus dividing the material from the spiritual. In AA, an AA group as such should never go into business. Secondary aids to AA, such as clubs or hospitals, which require much property or administration, ought to be incorporated and so set apart that, if necessary, they can be freely discarded by the groups. Hence, such facilities ought not not, ought not to use the AA name. Their management should be the sole responsibility of those people who financially support them. For clubs, AA managers are usually preferred. The hospitals, as well as their places of recuperation, ought to be well outside AA and medically supervised. While an AA group may cooperate with anyone, such cooperation ought never to go so far as affiliation or endorse, endorsement actual or implied. An AA group can bind itself to no one. Um, that doesn't mean we can't back to Tradition 4 if we want to. You know, and, and I'll say the first thing that this group does, you know, back on our CD table we have that little sign that says, uh, you know, CDs can be downloaded for free at interaction.org. The interaction.org website has nothing to do with Alcoholics Anonymous and it's crystal clear when you log on to it under the homepage. Um, but it provides you know, speaker CDs and different event things that are happening that are in line with what this group is doing. So we affiliate ourselves by having that little sign. We affiliate ourselves with the Interaction website. All right, when you log on to the different meetings at the Interaction website, our meeting is also hosted on there. Um, that is affiliation. This is saying we shouldn't do that. Um, we can really, back to tradition forward, do whatever we want. Is it going to harm anyone? Is it going to distract us from our primary spiritual aim of helping others? In that situation, I would uh, throw out the idea that it doesn't distract us. It enhances uh, our primary spiritual aim, which is to help others and to be a service. I know whenever I travel, first place I go looking for a meeting is the Interaction website uh, to see what other meetings are like-minded doing what we're doing where I maybe can pop in, see some people who are on the same page. Uh, if not, then I look elsewhere. And I know that other people will do the same eventually uh, coming up here for that. Um, on a personal level, when I get all caught up with money, property, and prestige, right? when I'm worried about paying my bills, when I'm worried about my work problems, when I'm worried about my girlfriend not doing what I think she should do, when I'm worried about... Um, my car, my finances, uh, my roommate, all this stuff, I become diverted from my aim of helping people. Why? Because when I'm thinking about me, back to, you know, what we talked about, 60 to 63 tonight, um, when all I can think about is me, I'm not able to think about you. And the problem, the root of my troubles, the root of this uh, selfishness and self-centeredness, the root of this spiritual malady, is that I'm the only person I ever think about. So when I'm caught up thinking about all these things that I need to do and all these things that I need to get accomplished, um, I'm not able to be a service to anyone else. And I know that there's a, a bunch of people in here uh, who have that experience and understand what I'm talking about. Uh, when I'm caught up with the girlfriend, uh, that's a good one, right guys? Uh, or girls, when I'm caught up with the boyfriend, uh, we forget 
about what our real job is and what our real purpose is. Or when I'm at work 70 hours a week because I gotta pay the bills and, I mean, yeah, I just got sober and I've been in debt for 15 years, but I've been sober now for two months and I gotta pay it all off today. Uh, you know what I mean? I get completely diverted by the reality of things. The fact is, is I've been accumulating debt for years just because I'm sober for a few months or a few years doesn't mean I'm gonna pay that all back right now. Uh, and then we get diverted, and then we're off and running on some tangent, doing some more thing over here, and then we wonder why we drink again. Um, because we get completely completely diverted uh, from where we're supposed to be. Um, those two meetings that I talked about before, the one with the treatment center and the one at the sober club, they affiliate themselves with these other entities. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. Um, Yeah, whether it's good or bad, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily have an opinion on it. I would encourage uh, that my group would not do those things. I know that we're... God, uh, wait. Maybe 2005 or six, uh NARASA, which is the Northeast Regional Service Assembly, so it's like all about the traditions and service work, was in Burlington, and we were putting that on, and we were getting coffee, and... Uh, we were getting coffee from this company and we were, they wanted us to have like coffee provided by Green Mountain Coffee or something like that. You know, so what does that do? That affiliates us with Green Mountain Coffee. I remember being at, uh, the first Necky Pie I was ever at. They had Starbucks coffee and they were like advertising that the coffee was provided by Starbucks. And it was a hotel thing. It wasn't like the, that the conference did it. And there was a guy, I was, Man, I was only a few months sober, and this guy, who was even a, a less amount of time, he said, uh, man, does A have some deal with Starbucks going on? And I thought for a second, I don't know. Maybe it does. You know, and then I asked my buddy, and he's like, no, we have nothing to do with anything else, and uh, that was the best he could explain it. Um, but we don't, we don't want to merge with these other companies, and we want to stay out of that, because, I mean, if anyone's been at a group conscience where they're talking about money... You know, we forget. I mean, we got all wound up. Me and Woody had it out uh, over those stupid banners with the steps because he wants to order them from the Recovery Emporium. I'm like, no, we need to recover. We need to order them from Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and in the group conscience, I'm like, what did I say? Like, Woody, shut your mouth. Uh, I don't want to hear about that anymore. You know, because it's like we get heated. You know, we get heated. And, we, and, and in that conversation, like the fact, the fact, is that in that conversation, I completely forgot about what the group's primary spiritual aim was, which was helping others. And did the freaking little signs, the window shades with the steps and traditions really like make a big difference? If we're doing what we're doing, we don't need any literature because we're out there talking to the people and we're doing that one-on-one -on -one carrying the message to the other alcoholic if we're doing our job. So we really don't need the freaking window shades. Um, <laughs> whatever it would be nice I mean they would kind of fit up here nicely um, and then uh, real quick and I'll wrap it up with this one uh, tradition 7 and this is like the one tradition that people are somewhat familiar with uh, it says, the AA groups themselves ought to be fully supported by their voluntary contributions of their own members. We think that each group should soon achieve this ideal. 
that any public solicitation of funds using the name of Alcoholics Anonymous is highly dangerous, whether by groups, clubs, hospitals, or other outside entity agencies. Excuse me. That acceptance of large gifts from any source or of contributions carrying any obligation, whatever is unwise, then too, we view that much concern those AA treasuries which continue beyond prudent reserve to accumulate funds for no stated AA purpose. Experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our spiritual heritage as futile disputes over property, money, and authority. So I think the coolest thing about that is it talks about our, you know, we always say we pass the basket in support of our seventh tradition A's, no dues or fees, we're self-supporting by our own contributions. What this is suggesting is that each group, Burlington Young People, will say, should be supported by the group's voluntary, group members' voluntary contributions. That doesn't mean we should pass a basket and letting all the people attending the meeting contribute. It means the group members themselves should pay for the things at the group. So what are, what are expenses that our group has? Coffee, CDs, pamphlets, a freaking gazillion Rent. big books that we go through. Huh? Rent. Rent. Oh yeah, don't want to forget that one. <laughs> But what has happened is that um, this tradition has, you know, the spirit, right? I talked about looking for the spirit of the message. The spirit of the tradition has changed, and now we pass a basket for voluntary contributions. I've watched groups uh, get really, I don't want to say sick, but something similar to that. Uh, I've seen groups fall apart around this. And what happens is, um, you know, down at our sober club, the rent is $15 a meeting. There's a lot of meetings in there that don't make $15. So what happens is you have a, a meeting that is not supporting itself continue to run. Well, there's no need to be there, or they would have the money. The voluntary contributions would be there. People would be excited to be there. They would give the money. Uh, there's another group that has this uh, very, very big event in Burlington. Cruise? I don't know what group it is. <laughs> but this group has a very, very big event. And um, and the group itself does not. When they pass their basket, they can't support um, they can't support the rent and their expenses for the meeting. The group uh, for years has been falling apart. It's been dying. Uh, it used to be a huge meeting. It's not anymore. It's really like is washing away. But the group once a year has this big event. Uh, that probably 40% of the people on that event are not part of the fellowship and buy tickets. Uh, the event does not have a meeting, so it's not, you know, it's supported by our district, but it has no meeting or whatever. And, um, and that event supports this group's existence. Um, now, I don't know, but it seems like there's some sort of spiritual significance <laughs> with this idea of the group is collecting all sorts of money that doesn't uh, necessarily belong to them because it's not uh, being hosted by its own members. There was a group up at the rehab, uh, the Winger group, um, fell apart, you know, like really fell apart. Like, and then the firing line was able to come in and support a new meeting. And and this is what, in my belief, needs to happen. If it's not fulfilling its its purpose, it needs to go away. The meeting needs to die. We need a new meeting in there. The measuring, the only measuring stick we have in Alcoholics Anonymous is money. Uh, and it's our seventh tradition. And if there is a need, the money will be there. The need for everything we're doing here at Burlington Young People, the money is always there. We've, our finances are just fine. 
we're able to provide CDs. We're able to provide plenty of big books. We give them away to people for free. Um, but this meeting uh, had this, uh, the only, they had three meetings, Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday. Saturday was having one or two people show up. And mind you, there's 40 people in the detox, 39 people in the detox, or in the treatment center. And then two people from the outside would come on and put on a double speaker meeting. That doesn't, I don't know how that works. Uh, they were, at some points, they would have, like, uh, clients speak, uh, at some points. Then Wednesdays, they would have a 12 and 12 meeting with one or two people showing up from the outside. So they would read the 12 and 12. And then they would open up for discussion for everyone in the treatment center to share their thoughts and opinions about the steps that they haven't worked and probably won't work. Uh, if I was to do this step, this is what it would look like. And then they share. Um, and what happened was eventually it got to the point uh, where some people said, like, this isn't working. There's no money. We're not able to pay the rent. Uh, we're here. We're, we're sucking from the fellowship. We're not donating to the district. We want to be in the meeting list, but we don't want to give any money to the district. We don't want to pay for it. We just want it to be in the meeting list, things like that. The group was eventually able to go away. The firing line started Saturday night. You know, instead of two people showing up, they got 25 people showing up. Wednesday night, same thing. Instead of one or two people showing up, 15 to 20, 25 people are showing up um, with a purpose. You know, they're trying to go in there, carry the message. They're trying to be a service. They're trying to make themselves available to people if they want sponsors. Uh, and it's all because of the basis of this uh, idea of if there's a need. And I know I'm over. The way I'll describe this, and this will be it, is a plant. You know, if I have a plant at my house and the plant is dead, I'm not going to keep it in the windowsill and continue to water it and say this is a, this was a wonderful plant once. At one time, this plant, let me tell you, Gwen, this plant was beautiful. It had these beautiful flowers and these big green leaves. It died a couple years ago, but I still like to water it just in case. I want to leave the pot there just in case for some reason, like, those weeds go away and it grows. No, I throw the plant away, I put a new plant in the window, and let that plant thrive until it's time to get rid of that plant and put another plant in the window. And that's the idea. If we continue to hear people say it all the time, so-and-so meeting needs support. No, they don't need support. Uh, and maybe that sounds cold and callous, but no, the meeting needs to go away. It needs to die so a new group can come in that time slot and hopefully revive things um, and go back to that primary purpose and carry that message to the alcoholic who's sick and suffering. Because if no one wants to go, the meeting's obviously not fulfilling a need. Um, all right, I'm done. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.